It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Men. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Well, well, well. Good afternoon. Good to have you with us. On a uh, day where there's uh, some rough weather, and uh, I believe some schools, many have canceled kind of these after-school activities. What? And uh, yeah, I know. Back in your day, you were walking uphill in the snow Barefoot. with no shoes on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ben, I sent you a text by the way, so check that real quick. But uh, yeah, no, that was look. We drove back one time. As I was a tremendous Parrot Academy athlete, as you know, Ben, a uh, multi-sport star. And uh, routinely got a quadruple single. Routinely. Oh, you're so, running the point? No, no, no. I, but, you <laughs> I, know, no you power forward to the point guards, but I was the point I was the point forward before the point forward. You invented and it. So yeah, I did. So uh we I remember we came back one night from a ball game. At uh, I think it, well, it was Hale High School then, but it was St. David's in in Raleigh now. So we were coming back from Raleigh, right? And it was very, very, very cold in Raleigh. And when we got back off the activity bus in Kinston, it was uh, very, very, very warm. This was like a jam- and so we got home, and it sounded like a uh, tornado went through. The uh, and the power went out and all that, but it was one of those downburst wind things. It was determined. So Ben, you but see that's what we we uh, we rode back in those. Uh, we took activity rickety activity buses in those conditions, bad conditions. We would take rickety activity buses from Raleigh to Kinston back in the day. Through the tornado, you swam to right? the, the yeah. school. Yeah. Yes, it was Twister before it was Twister. In fact, the great Cliff Edwards. Shout out Coach Edwards, the the var- longtime varsity girls coach at APA. Were y'all doing was Snow not- Angels in the bat uh, in the locker room? Was the- was that just the Mets? That was just the Mets. No, 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 nothing like that. So we um we were there in um he was locking the gates to to the campus there at APA, right? Okay. And the and the thing came through. He had to jump down by the sign to keep it from getting. You know, he thought it was a tornado too. Not my school. So he jumped down to the sign and the downburst or the downwind or whatever it is. If we asked David Sawyer, he'd tell us. Storm Team Nine's David Sawyer. He'd he'd let us know what's happening if we if for all the terminology. But that was that was back uh twenty some odd years ago. So take that climate change. We had crazy weather way back when. Too. Yeah. Uh, Pirates with a good win last night. Uh, by the way, Ben B Baby Byram is re- is uh, involved in uh, today's production. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. Last night, I'm talking to uh, the legendary coach, Kurt Kraft, ECU track and field coach. He's the longest tenured coach currently at ECU. 
and uh, head coach. And so I'm, I'm sitting there uh, talking to him, and I look around all of a sudden, and I see a young Howard Stern. And it's our guy, uh, Dom. Dom's in the hizzle. Dominic Kosolke, the man. Yep. And he was so excited to be. He had the, the company T-shirt on. He was He was such an good. asset, too. He did anything I asked him to do. Oh, Dom's excellent. Dom's excellent. But I look over, and I see there's my guy, Ben, and hoisted over his shoulder the championship belt. <laughs> the champ. Everybody was giving me looks, and I was like, yeah, take a good look. It's the closest you'll get to greatness right here. And I'm not going to lie. I'm glad there was a barrier between his number one. Number two, <laughs> I think Coach Kraft didn't know what to make of the whole thing. His mind was blown. Like, his his mouth was wide open. Like, he was in shock, complete shock. He didn't know what to say. He was at a loss for words. So was Sauce. So I wanted no parts of it. <laughs> By the way, it's Sai uh, Seymour's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday to a legend. If you do, I'll say this again. If you're griping or don't like Cy Seymour, shame on you. You will not find a better person than the great Cy Seymour. Uh, but good win for the Pirates last night, down five. 49 second-half points. They out-rebounded uh, the Golden Hurricane in a uh, big way. Ended up being 17. Uh, Pirates... Uh, Shot the ball really, really well. Shot 61% in the second half and route to shooting 50% for the game. Tulsa made some threes in the first half especially. Shot it at a good percentage, but just 4 of 13 in the second from three. I think that's kind of what it came down to, to a degree. See, I want to know about this because all the uh, the media dorks are talking about this. So I want to get your opinion on it. Listen, the, to, the, listen to the champ talking. Okay, yes, well, yeah, go the, ahead. The champ is here. He The champ does what he wants, but... I was just wondering, uh, how do you feel about the refs and the calls uh, in the second half when it came to, like foul calls and whatnot? Because they like like it is with every game, they find one minute detail to really hammer home about, and that was one of them. Are we talking about a specific play or just on the whole? Uh, just as a whole. I mean, I thought it was fine. I, on the whole, I thought it was fine. Now and it's American refs. There, I mean, we've gotten yeah, used to it. Yeah, right. Where there's some. Like there was the, the call that put Tulsa in the bonus seemed a little touch fouly to be putting a team in the bonus in a tight game late. Yeah. But I mean, you know, foul calls were even. Now, I thought they got the uh I, I thought they got the whole thing wrong with the shot clock violation. Yeah. I thought the ball hit the rim. And the angles that we had, it looked like it grazed the rim because the ball changed directions. Ever so slightly, but it changed directions. But yeah. I, there has to be definitive evidence. Now, I, I, my intent was to go back and watch the game today, one, because of my massive ego. But two, because I wanted to see if I was right about this. It looked to me on the replay that there was time left when Luigi got the ball and gave it to, to Biala. there was still time left for Biala to take that shot. Yeah. Sai says there was not. I say there there was. Again, I just did it off the monitor what I saw in one of the last replays I saw. Don't lie. You, you want to go back and watch it so you can get another glimpse, hopefully at the champ, somewhere in there. You can look far, hard, and wide. You weren't on the – you weren't – 
See, I think that we need to position you somewhere where you can get on the either the hard camera or the slash cam or something. Yeah. There's some TV vernacular for those of you not in the know. Some of the industry uh, you know, terminology. If you see a little Sean, if you see a little glimmer, that's just me and the belt. The play of the game, and certainly uh, the players of the game were Brandon Johnson and definitely R.J. Felton, who was magnificent in the Absolutely, second half. Absolutely, yeah. But the play of the game was uh, a point when Bryant Celebungay, 33 for Tulsa, who was the best player on the floor last night. Um, in the big moment, it was Felton, but as far as the, the full game, I thought he was the best player on the floor. I agree. And there was a point where Luigi kept, he, it was, uh, maybe it was, seemed like it was one of his last attempts from the floor. He kind of went under the basket and tried to score the basketball and he'd made, I think he'd missed one shot to that point. And Luigi defended him well and then got the rebound. And then the Pirates came down and got the Biala three. And it was ECU plus two, so it went to plus five. And that's when I think he was maybe fouled on the three. Yeah, the four-point play, and then they right. missed it. and then But then yeah. Luigi got the rebound, offensive rebound, and the Pirates scored to go up, I think it was eight maybe? Yep. So I, to me, that whole sequence was important, and Luigi DeBoe was – you know, majorly involved in, in that entire transaction of plays. What I liked about this game is you really kind of found out more about the Pirates' depth. There was a lot of guys that really struggled at the beginning of the year, maybe didn't contribute as much, but they looked a little bit more comfortable on the floor and settled in and made some pretty key plays like Luigi, like Abayella. I mean, both of those guys looked great last night and provided a huge spark, and uh, that's great to see, especially moving forward. You're not going to have Javon. We now know we're not going to have Winston, which – it seems like we didn't have Winston in the first place, but nonetheless, you're not going to have those guys. It's good to see other guys step up that you previously didn't know you really had that could have provided that kind of spark. Yeah, uh, you know, nice nice for Biala to come out 11-8 and eight for him. Walker uh, and Debunjay all played pretty well, and they all played about the same amount of minutes. They may be, That may be the way to use those guys. Yeah is, you know, about 20 minutes a game each if you can. Speaking of uh, what Ben's talking about, uh, Mike Swartz afterwards, I've got this, Ben, uh, said, uh, kind of gave a status update on Javon Small and addressed why Winston Tabs was not there. We might have a more expanded version of this cut later in our pirate report, but this is what he said last night. Javon will be out uh, about three to four weeks minimum, so whether we get him back at the end of this season, we'll see. That's up in the air. We may get, you know, we may be able to have him towards the latter part of the season into the AAC tournament, or we may not. I think that's just a determining factor we see. So he'll be out, you know, minimum of four weeks, it looks like. And then Winston has decided to step away from the team and really just focus right now on his body, physically, his health. You know, he did such an incredible job getting back onto the court. Said a little bit more about tabs again. Uh, I think we'll have that for you in more of a, uh, a full bit of uh, detail coming up. But a nice win for ECU. Uh, the women are playing tonight. Uh, always anonymous text line, Ben. Uh-oh, here we go. Who wants it? Who wants it? I'm defending are this you, belt to the end. Are you going to talk about the Wolfpack and Tar Heel victories last night? Um, oh, I didn't see either one of them. I did see a great, I mean, really, really great um, 
piece of video, our guy Joe Giglio uh, was at the PNC last night and saw Mike Bray um, and gave him kind of a, a going-away gift. Carlton Tudor, the great Carlton Tudor, uh, ECU alum and uh, News and Observer for years and years and years, the columnist. I'd read his columns, Ben, I'd get so mad. I'd love him in one, in one <laughs> paragraph, and I'd hate him the next. Toot, but I, I ended up getting to know uh, Toots, and he was he was great. Sounds like a great writer. No, he, well, that's what you want. And so uh, they they gave uh, Mike Bray a uh, a whiskey, you know, and so on on the video, uh, Bray ends up telling this great story about a column that a uh, Tudor wrote that with the year Shushesky got. Uh, left the team because of a back injury and, and that sort of thing. And then, um, but anyway, it's, it's a great little video. I need to find it and try to put it on social media, but it was, a, it was an awesome little story that, uh, that was told there. Uh, so I mean, I know baby T was back last night. I was glad to see that. Yeah, maybe he was in the, in the bar, in the post game. I don't, <laughs> because he played like 38 or 39 minutes last night, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he he looked fine to me. It didn't look like there was any kind of problem, which I'm 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 all excited about. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, thing at all. Yeah, I mean, we weren't pulling then, for the kid to be hurt. I mean, no, if he wants to no. go out to the bar, I mean, we defended. Hey, that's fine. I mean, that's what kids do his age. So I thought. Uh, I mean, look, they beat Notre Dame. It was a tight game. I didn't see it, so I don't know. I'm just knowing what I saw afterwards. So yeah, from from that standpoint. Probably a nice little bounce back for Kevin Keats club for, uh, the Tar Heels. I thought the game originally was the same time as the ECU game, but apparently it was at nine, but I, I, I wasn't going to watch any of that garbage when I got home. Yeah. Cause, cause those games matter. We were on the edge of our seat waiting to see what NC state and UNC were going to do last night, but the Tar Heels won at Syracuse, which I mean, they're in third down the ACC. I do know this. Over the last two games, they've taken the numbers like 61 free throws. Their opponents have taken like 12 or 15. That does not seem like a plausible number to me. Yeah. But officiating doesn't matter. It's what I've always been told. Actually, I've been told the uh, – yes, I've been told the exact opposite, but uh, the media will tell you officiating Certain members of the media will tell you officiating doesn't matter. So I don't know if we if if we gave enough uh, of a uh, if we if if we just gave them short shrift, but uh, we did mention it here just now. Hey, well, I mean, officiating does matter in ACC play. I mean, that's most of ACC play. Officiating's been pretty rotten this year, especially in yep. a lot of the ACC games I've seen. It's been and look. So I watched. Uh, I got to watch the second half of the Miami game with uh, with Coach on Saturday, um, which is a whole other story altogether. Yeah. Uh, so I watched the end of that Duke Miami game, and they they uh, I mean, officials swallowed their whistles. Late. I mean, Miami got hammered in that game late, and. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, you know, a uh, 
So, I mean, yeah, officiating does have a, a, an impact on the game. And look, something I was told a few years ago, Mull and I were doing a game up in, uh, we did a UNCW uh, William & Mary broadcast. We did a game up there, right? Gotcha. That's one of, that, that leads to one of my great John Feinstein stories. I, I don't have time to tell. I'll tell another time, uh, which was great. I mean, I've probably have told that on this show before, but it was it's a great Feinstein story. But um, we're up there, uh, and then we go out after the game to get a uh, a bite with uh, somebody, a couple guys from the from the league. They were there that day, and we we had a conversation about officiating. And this was uh, when Keats was coaching at UNCW the year they had a really good year. It was his last year there. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so we had a conversation about officiating uh, while we were eating kind of a, you know, because uh, it was an afternoon game kind of thing, you know, like a, a between lunch and dinner crowd type of thing. We were in a sports bar or something somewhere. And, you know, we were talking about the, uh, the officiating. And, and the guy said, uh, Rob Burdovich, I think is, uh, Burdo, yeah, Burdovich. And he was, uh, telling us, you know, what, what the margin, you know, cause we asked him, you know, they grade the referees every game, right? Yeah. And, and like the, the percentages for a good official and a great official, it, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a thin line, but when you look at those numbers on the whole, the officials get everything right. Like they'd be a students, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the, that, 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 that kind of changed my perspective on, on officiating, you know, that the, the, when they grade them out, the vast majority of, of officials overwhelmingly, do really, really well and get the calls right. Doesn't mean they get every call right, but they get the calls right. Especially at that level, they get the calls right. And then, you know, what as far as a really great official, it, it's a pretty shocking percentage that they grade out at. So, all right. Uh, the always anonymous text line, Ben, is now uh, is now hammering B, Ben B Baby. So, I don't care about <laughs> UNC or <laughs> NC State. And maybe you shouldn't either. Well, I wouldn't think, Ben, uh, it, it does matter. I wouldn't say ACC hoops doesn't matter. I just, I, I know you're trying to be a little outlandish here, but. Uh, it stinks. You know, no, the ACC is not great this year. You That's, know, I'll, UNC I'll, is going to get like 80 foul calls a game. It's going to, majority of the well, game is going to be at the free throw line. That's true. Yeah. I mean, well, at least I, the last two games. Is that great basket? I mean, if By that's the, the way, kind of basketball was, you like, have fun with I that. Did, I did see a highlight or a, or a video clip. I don't know if it's a highlight or a low light last night. But, I mean, it was like a – they called a thing on a Syracuse player running into a UNC guy. Now, his elbows were up, but it just seemed like a strange call to go against Syracuse on what was a block on the Tar Heels. Like a flagrant one. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, his elbows were up around the – whether it's inverted, they look at it. Like, they looked at a couple plays last night where uh, R.J. Felton got out of that double team. Now, he was straight up. He just elbowed a dude RJ. in the face. Well, but the guy, it was determined that the guy was in R.J.'s space. Yeah. It wasn't R.J. throwing elbow. Clear out. Yeah, it was a basketball play. All right, uh, we'll grab a break. We'll come back. We'll run through some of the postgame comments. Bethany Bradshaw is going to be with us today. Bethany's got uh, 
some book projects out we're going to tell you about, including uh, one that a lot of pirate fans might be interested in. All right, so that's still to come here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll be right back right after this. And Pirates. Oh, yeah. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Tweet at us. Hey. You want to see our tweets? That's creeping me out. Follow us on Twitter for breaking sports news and what's going on around the Pirate Nation. We need you guys on Twitter. Twitter. It's 943 The Game on Twitter. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 943 The Game. Pirates win last night, rallying to defeat Tulsa 76-66 on the hardwood. Mike Swartz after the game. Great respect for uh, Coach Conkle and the Tulsa program. Uh, you know, they've been playing really good basketball the last four games particularly, and I thought they did again tonight. And Just a really hard-fought game, and I'm glad we were able to, in the second half, do some things that allowed us to, you know, to get a home victory. And he talked about R.J. Felton taking over in the second. You know, no, you know, I think well, you give R.J. all the credit. I mean, R.J. put the ball in the basket. I think over the last three or four days with that break and with losing Javon, then looking at our rotation, we've had to put some different things in offensively to try and control pace a little bit, try and control possessions, particularly late clock, try and control some possessions because it isn't just going to find Javon's hands naturally right now and play off it where whether he gets a shot or creates something. So we did some things offensively, and we worked on some things to have RJ or Brandon or different guys in different positions. And in that high post was one of the areas that we worked on with RJ and he did a great job with it. Ben Biala had 11 points and eight rebounds off the bench last night. Ben B baby Byram asking about Ben B baby Biala. Oh, I think you hit it on the head. And I think as, as much as we needed it, as proud as everybody is of Ben, the locker room and the coaches and the players are even happier for him because he has gone through it. He's been in some some valleys where he's been struggling and offensively, and he's never wavered in terms of how hard he worked. He's kept a great attitude. And to see Ben play like he did today with the great confidence, shooting the basketball, uh, he just looked good out there. He looked very comfortable handling the basketball. And, you know, as big as anything was he's plus 15 on the plus minus, which is as big a stat as any. He led our team in the plus minus at plus 15, and he has eight rebounds. And for him to bring eight, he's always defended and rebounded, but to put that with knocking in three threes off screens and playing and moving the basketball and kind of a subtle thing he did late was handling the basketball late versus some of the press and things like that. So really proud of Ben, and, and I think, you know, hopefully he'll continue to grow as the season goes. East Carolina did a really good job on uh, Bryant Celebunga in the second half. This is uh, Coach Swartz talking about that. Yeah, he's hard to slow down. I mean, he's one of the best post players in the league scoring. He is the leading rebounder in the league or one of the top. So you just emphasize it. I mean, we're not a big post double team. That's not who we are. We don't want to get in rotations. You know, we want to try and rely on scouting report and physicality. Um, was disappointed with some of our physicality in the first half. He's going to score. It's just got to be a little bit harder, in our opinion. And if he does, you, you know, you pat him on the back and, you know, he did what he did. But you got to try and make him do it on our terms. 
and he was scoring both on our terms and his terms in the first half. And in the second half, I think our guys did a better job executing. And, you know, Luigi used his length. And, you know, and then obviously we played zone some, so zone helps you with that on the inside. Uh, today's Pirate Report. And uh, Coach Swartz on this being a huge confidence booster for the Pirates. Yeah, you know, I've been asked this a lot. You know, how are the guys doing? What's the spirit of the team? You know, we had our best two practices the last two days. So the, the competitiveness, the spirit, the energy of the team has not wavered. Is there obviously frustration and disappointment from losing and, and being on a spell that we've been on? Absolutely, you know. But I would tell you the win, or if we hadn't come out on top today, we still would be saying we got to get better tomorrow. We got to get better for Sunday. We got to get better the next time we hit the court. So win or loss. Now, it feels good. I know it feels good to the guys, and the locker room feels a lot different after a win, but that's going to fade really quickly. And we're just going to have to get back to it and try and be better because we know what we got coming down the pipe, and we just have to get better. Uh, you know, I see the thing, Ben. I thought that they had good body language last ECU did. I mean, obviously coming back and winning, but even when things were were tough, they had pretty good body language. And uh, to be honest with you, that's not something we've seen the last couple of games. Everything seemed very negative on the court. Guys, I don't know, they weren't really buying in, it seemed like, on the court for whatever reason due to their troubles or whatever off the court or whatever's been going on on the court. Um, that definitely did change this game. That was good to see because you can definitely notice things were off the last few games with chemistry and whatnot and just guys not having really good body language like you said yeah uh here is uh coach swartz uh the breaking news we brought you last segment uh as far as the audio from an expanded uh window on this news on javon small's health status and then also where winston tabs was last night yeah both things i'll start with uh javon uh, javon will be out uh, about three to four weeks minimum so whether we get him back at the end of this season we'll see that's up in the air we may get you know we may be able to have him towards the latter part of the season into the aac tournament or we may not i think that's just a determining factor we see so he'll be out you know a minimum of four weeks it looks like and then winston has decided to step away from the team and really just focus right now on his body, physically, his health. You know, he did such an incredible job getting back onto the court. But Winston has an expectation for himself on where he wants his body to be while he's playing. And he's healthy, he's good, he's doing great. We fully support him, we're there for him. But he's decided that he wants to just work right now and focus on his body, getting strong, focus on his academics, and just keep that focus there instead of trying to battle through the, all of it at the same time. And I, I totally support Winston, and we're going to help him be stronger when, when his time does come. Uh, that was kind of an interesting little note at the end when his time does come, and then uh, Swartz was asked to follow up, Coach Swartz was, about will uh, Tabs be allowed to come back? I think that's to be determined. I just know we support Winston fully and are going to help him with what he wants to accomplish so he can feel strong and feel good moving forward in his basketball and academic career. All right. Uh, from some of the players here, this is RJ Felton talking about uh, his second half takeover. I had to let the game come to me. And, um, and um, well, well, when my shots started falling, and then um, it just went from the. Uh, and then uh, R.J. Uh, talking about, uh, or Brandon Johnson, I should say, talking about the chemistry that he and uh, Felton have on the court. I just know his game so well. He knows my game. So, 
uh, we feed off each other. Uh, and then uh, R.J. Felton on uh, having time off, kind of having an open weekend, and how that really helped things. Well, um, that time that we had a bye week, we we had um we had many bumps and bruises and all that. That was the time to um, get that over. Um, it was on um, we had to um, lock in on practice. We had we were scouting throughout the week and all that for um, t- for um, Tulsa. So we had we had to lock in. Uh, Brandon Johnson talking about uh, how they spent sort of the extended time off and then, uh, you know, obviously uh, learning to play or adapting to playing probably more appropriately without Javon Small. Day by day, we're learning to play without Javon. Like you said, he's a key piece. We miss him, and uh, just, we just got to keep going. Felton says this was a big uh, win for the team. It is a big win, um, a very big emotional win. Um, we we look to build off of it and um, and try to pile it up, pile up wins. And then RJ says it was good to see Ben Biella have a quality outing. Yeah, it was good to see Ben in a couple of threes down. Uh, he was he had a little shooting stuff during the beginning of the season, but he's now improving on that jumper. All right, there you go. Today's Pirate Report. Uh, ben Byram with a 94-3 The Game Sports Update, including uh, some uh, major ECU news as it pertains to uh, the Hall of Fame in North Carolina. And uh, a lot more. So uh, here is that for you right now. And then when we come back, uh, our friend, author Bethany Bradshaw will be on the PJ Show. So stay tuned for that. Here is Ben. And now, Patrick. No, we already did the Pirate Report. It's your 94th of the game sports update. I'm Ben Barmy. She rallied in the second half and ended its five-game losing streak as the Pirates beat Tulsa for a third straight time, 76-66. The Pirates trailed by seven in the second half, but an 11-0 spurt propelled the purple and gold to a win. RJ Felton on the run that helped, which helped the ECU to a victory in the second half. I had to let the game come to me, and, um, and um, well, well, when my shots started falling, and then um, they, it just went from there. Felton with 17 of his 23 points after halftime. Brandon Johnson scored a game-high 24, matching his career high. After the game, head coach Mike Schwartz gave an update on the health status of lead guard Javon Small and exactly where Winston Tabbs was last night. He was not on the bench. He was not dressed. He was not at the game. Where is Winston Tabbs and what is going on? Yeah, both things. I'll start with uh, Javon. Uh, Javon will be out uh, about three to four weeks minimum. So whether we get him back at the end of this season, we'll see. That's up in the air. We may get, you know, we may be able to have him towards the latter part of the season into the AAC tournament, or we may not. I think that's just a determining factor we see. So he'll be out, you know, minimum of four weeks. It looks like, and then. Winston has decided to step away from the team and really just focus right now on his body, physically, his health. You know, he did such an incredible job getting back onto the court. But Winston has an expectation for himself on where he wants his body to be while he's playing. And he's healthy, he's good, he's doing great. We fully support him, we're there for him. But he's decided that he wants to just work right now and focus on his body, getting strong, focus on his academics and just keep that focus there instead of trying to battle through the all of it at the same time. And I, I totally support Winston, and we're going to help him be stronger when, when his time does come. 
ECU women's basketball back in action tonight at Midgets Coliseum as they host the Memphis Tigers. ECU currently third in the conference standings and coming off a two-game win streak. They'll look to extend that at 6 o'clock right, or at, at, in Midgets Coliseum against the 11-8 Memphis Tigers. Moving on, speaking of ECU women's basketball, the lone ECU women's basketball player to see her number retired and the program's all-time leader in scoring and rebounding. And Rosie Thompson is one of 15 who will be inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame class this year. Among those all going into going is Hickory native and current Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, Kenson native and NBA star Jerry Stackhouse, and Carteret County resident and two-time U.S. Open winner Curtis Strange. Thompson, the 15th person associated with ECU to enter the hall. Speaking of ECU football, or moving on to ECU football, former the all-time leading point scorer for ECU football and Jake Verity just signed a futures contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just minutes ago. That means once the season starts, he will earn a contract if he is still on the roster. Concerns about NC State's Cravion Smith being out for the season were laid to rest last night when the star point guard returned to help the Wolfpack to an 85-82 win over Notre Dame at PNC Arena. This after he was taken off the court on a stretcher Saturday night in a game against Carolina of neck and arm injuries. Following a slow start of zero points in the first half, the former Central grad recorded 17 points, six assists in the second. Jarkel Joyner led all NC State scorers with 28 points. The Tar Heels won their fourth straight game. UNC knocked off Syracuse 72-68 on the road behind 21 points from Pete Nance. North Carolina now tied for third place in the ACC. Australian Open and Greenville native Tommy Paul beat Ben Shelton in the quarterfinals in four sets. He'll get the four seed Novak Djokovic in the semifinals tomorrow night. The Panthers are continuing their search for a new head coach. They have narrowed down their list of three guys in Kellen Moore, Steve Wilkes, and Frank Reich and will begin their second round of interviews today. So far, guys that have been interviewed include Jim Caldwell, Ken Dorsey, Jairo Averro, Mike Kafka, Sean Payton, Sean Steichen, and along with those three guys I mentioned earlier, the Panthers are now expected to conduct a second round of interviews. And in other news of the Carolina Panthers, they have signed quarterback and former Washington quarterback Jacob Eason to reserve slash future deal. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. This 94 through the game sports update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting part student athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. On the other side, we'll hear from Bethany Brasher on her latest book about ECU baseball. It all comes right on the other side right here of Patrick Johnson on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day, you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers are available. Sorry about that. I screwed it up. Let me do it again. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers available now online at the all-new 943thegame.com. And now, back to the P-Man, the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. We've got Bethany Bradshaw joining us now here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's always fun whenever we get a chance to connect with uh, one of my absolute faves, author Bethany Bradshaw joining the Patrick Johnson Show yet again. Hello there. Hi, Patrick. Good to talk to you again. It's been it's a little while. Great to talk to you. I got to see you this week. I saw your uh, your family 
at the game yes. last night. They were front uh, row. They were Going through against Tulsa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they were. They looked like they were having a good time. So that was uh, that was great. So I, that's the report back to mom. The kids and Sid were having a good time. So that's they uh, were having a good time. Yeah. The pictures seem to seem to prove so. Prove that that was the case. Well, I think that's that's great. We missed you, but uh, I'm sure we'll see you soon. And uh, it was nice to see you this week. Uh, Bethany, as she always is, extremely busy. Uh, so, uh, Bethany's gone from uh, a, a sports writer to, uh, well, still writing about sports, but writing books, and I think that's just great. So, uh, you, uh, there's a couple projects I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Uh, some new stuff that's out. A, I, 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 we might can spill the beans on a, on a potential new project. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's let's BethanyBradshaw.com is where you can go to get uh, all of Bethany books or wherever books are sold. Okay, let's uh, well let's start with uh, a book that's launching Friday this week. Yes, but is out now and available. For example, Amazon. Uh, it's a it's a tennis book. Why don't you tell us about it? My first tennis book. So this is a ghostwriting project. I ghost wrote with Lenny Simpson who is a tennis legend. The book is actually called In the Shadow of Tennis Legends. Um, Lenny grew up in Wilmington, um, was a, a, is a black tennis player. He was one of the top black, te- black tennis players in the 60s and 70s in a time when it was a very difficult to play competitive tennis um, if you were black. Mm-hmm. And so he went through a whole lot of different trials along the way. But the real heart of his story is that he grew up in downtown Wilmington and his backdoor neighbor was a guy named Dr. Hubert Eaton who had a tennis court in his backyard. And it was known as the Black Country Club in Wilmington. Dr. Eaton was legendary. So in, in the book, you'll get this fleshed out. But when Lenny was five years old, he was invited to go over there because he figured out something great was going on kind of in his backyard. And he walked in the gate. And the first person he met was Althea Gibson, who was living with Dr. Eaton at the time. And she gave him his first tennis racket. And then he ended up being part of a junior development program in Lynchburg for a number of summers with another prominent doctor and his buddy, kind of his mentor at that program was Arthur Ashe. So those two, along with a number of others, he just was exposed to kind of so many of the giants of tennis along the way. And his story is just phenomenal. And then for it to come full circle is after he retired, he lived most of his adult life in Knoxville as a tennis pro, retired back to Wilmington. He bought that house and renovated the court where he had learned to play. Oh, wow. And today they teach kids tennis on that very court. So it's really a beautiful story. I've enjoyed it so much. And a piece of Wilmington history, um, civil rights history, tennis history that I just don't think many people know about. He played uh, something, I, I, I guess, turned pro in the uh, 70s, but uh, he, he played in something uh world tennis teams what is that yeah it, the detroit loves it was a team ten, a professional team tennis league and he was the only black player and he played in the first season first two seasons of the detroit loves with a lot of luminaries i mean any tennis people who look at those rosters would know the name so that was a really amazing thing he got to be part of um he also played in two u.s opens and he went to qualifying rounds at wimbledon but had an injury and then East Tennessee State University, he's kind okay. of at the top of all their record books um, for tennis at that university. So he, he did a number of different things in the game and then has taught countless others yeah. in his post-competitive life. All right. And the book is, uh, what, what is that again, the, the title of the book? It's called 
It's called In the Shadow of Tennis Legends, and it would say by Lenny Simpson, and uh-huh. it says with Bethany Bradshaw, which is that little. That's always good with Bethany Bradshaw. Yes, that's what that's what allows. <laughs> I write the story. That's what allows the great Bethany Bradshaw. <laughs> To uh, <laughs> to afford front row tickets to basketball, no, uh, but that uh, that's uh-huh, what pays exactly. the bills for the great Bethany Bradshaw who joins us oh, here. Bethany Bradshaw. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you know, it was great. I, I, so people I, will enjoy it. I, I, it sounds like a fascinating story. He winds up at Tennessee at East Tennessee State, as you say, to play collegiately, and you know, it, it kind of dawns on me in this same time period. Uh, perhaps I, I don't want to paint in broad strokes, but you know, maybe not the most enlightened place either. So not East Tennessee. Yeah. The campus was great to him, but right. the, the environs, you know, the town so he, around it. Uh, uh, yeah. Under, understood. How did he wind up there? Was it just a more kind of regional uh, opportunity yeah. then? And I mean, the times, because I mean, you look back uh, all kinds of athletes. It's a lot more, you know, you, you had people that played, I guess, more regionally. There was not national recruiting per se, uh, especially. Not in really. Some of those and sports. he played basketball there too. Oh, and did actually, he? part wow. of the story is he went to two pretty prominent Northeastern prep schools. Oh, okay. Um, one in Pennsylvania, one in Connecticut. And this is all a product of the connections he made through touring with the ATA, which was the professional or the amateur, mostly black tennis association. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And some the, the tennis connections he made when he was a child led him to prep schools, led him to college recruitment in a way that might not have been possible. And he was a, a heck of a prep school player as well. And yeah, they just a, a coach at East Tennessee State who saw his potential, wanted to let him play those sports and, and really um, figured out how to develop him as a player and encourage him. Yeah, no, very interesting. Uh, sounds like a great story. And uh, when they when they make the movie deal, when Netflix gets a hold of this, uh, Bethany, maybe sure, you'll sure. get you'll get some opportunities uh, there, or Peacock or whoever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I play a little bit of pickleball, but I don't think you want to oh, put me in a tennis ring. Uh, I don't think that's yeah, yeah, a great pickle idea. pickle. How do you like the pickleball? I, there's a good friend I love of mine. Pickleball. Yeah, there's a great friend of mine. He he actually played in one of the national. You know, for oh, his age yeah. division uh, tournaments uh, down I in Orlando. I didn't do that. I play at, you know, Peppermint Park. But it is so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. So, yeah. you know, Sid and I play. Then we taught our kids. And now oh, cool. we just all go. But we have a lot of kids. So we can usually get four people to go play. It's great. Yeah. No, that sounds that mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of fun. The Bradshers are just wonderful people. The great Bethany Bradshaw is uh, with us here. And then you were telling me uh, there's another book that's due out in the spring. Uh, yes. involving another ghostwriting project. Ghost project on on Eddie uh, Eddie Smith of uh, Grady White Boats fame, right? That's right. You heard it here first. I mean, a few people do know. It's not a, a, a tightly kept secret, but I have been working with Eddie on telling his story. And again, just a, a pillar of this community and the business sense, but also in, in terms of the philanthropy, um, what he's meant to East Carolina, to the healthcare system over there, yeah. to UNC. Um, he's a tremendous man who has a great story. I mean, his father was an orphan, and so really a kind of a rags to riches story in his family, and and what he did, and coming down here in his twenties to Greenville and deciding he wanted to, to take over what was a failing boat company. I mean, he said to me, "I would have been better off just creating a boat company from scratch than trying to salvage Grady White," but he did it, and. Yeah, it's just been really fun. I think people are going to enjoy his story. So many people either know Eddie or know of him, and he's you know kind of resisted everyone saying you should write a book for all these years. But <laughs> it's been an enjoyable process, and yeah, look for that um, by late May is what I would say. And when I get a a more firm date for that launch, I'll let you know so you can tell your listeners. Uh, Bethany has written 
uh, a ton of books. Bethany Bradshaw joining us uh, here. Uh, there is uh, the Big Rock book, which every year we talk to Bethany about the Big Rock tournament. Uh, that uh, she'll be down there. I'm sure Henry will be down there again covering the uh, the event. We talked to her around uh, not quite a year ago, but uh, you had the covering all uh, covering. All the bases, all the ba- George Whitfield. Yeah, the George mm-hmm. Whitfield book covering all the bases, which uh, yeah. uh, was a tremendous book. It was always great to see Coach Whit, who's still uh, still uh, motoring. There's a book about Hardy's. There's a Bones McKinney uh, book. Uh, a, a Dixie Michigan, Classic. Yeah, Dixie Classic, yeah. Michigan mm-hmm. State book. There's uh, the fiftieth, uh, fifty years of the Super Bowl. So there's a ton of of books that you've written. Uh, maybe one that kind of kicked it all off for you was. The, uh, the book entitled Coaching Third, The Keith LeClaire Story. And uh, a fabulous book, by the way. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't want to um, tell tales outside of school, but I noted I saw you this week, and uh, it was at ECU Baseball Media Day. So I'm sure you're asked all the time, Bethany, do you think you'll write another baseball book? <laughs> the truth is, Patrick, I just enjoy little Jimmy John stuff. I mean, I, and I heard they were going to have them there, so <laughs> I stopped by media day. <laughs> hey, there, no, look, I, Bethany, there were some people that actually did because of it. No, I'm, I'm, I'll be nice. I Bethany always. Look, I used to be a newspaper sports writer. <laughs> I know how important that free right. is. Bethany <laughs> always appeals to my better angels, so I need to. <laughs> I need to be nice. Yes, but uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So I, you know, I think the best thing to say at this point is I am following this baseball season closely with plans and intentions to write another ECU baseball book. Um, the timing of that book and its scope are still to be determined. Um, but I'm really excited. I mean, as everybody is who's connected with ECU baseball, a fan in any way, um, a lot of anticipation around the season. And I just think it's time. It's 13 years since Coaching Third came out. Um, there's a, stories galore. So many really amazing human interest stories associated with that program, just even in the past year. And I'm just really looking forward to, to getting to know the players and, and being out there a whole lot. So I'll be in the press box some and the jungle some and the seats some. And, you know, anybody who sees me and has great stories about UC baseball, even from a fan's perspective, tell them. It would That's have what se- I'll be looking for. It would have seemed like last year's uh, season in itself would have been for a, a great book. Yeah. With the way it started yeah. and then the way it, you know, you, you, they got so close. Uh, but the the road to no get doubt. so close, and, and I'm sure that'll be covered in this in some form. I'm, I'm I'm positive. Oh, it will, no doubt. And I was out there. I'm always out there in the jungle for the regionals <laughs> as a fan. Um, right, right. Always, always. And but I am. I'm just so excited. It's been a while. Well, I haven't written an East Carolina book since coaching third. Um, well, George Whitfield is he's he's very much a East Carolina guy, but right, not completely. Sure. Yeah. And and so it's been a long time. And I used to cover ECU as a regular beat writer for Bonesville. It's been three or so years since I was doing any of that. And I've been doing a lot of ghostwriting and writing books for other people, contract books. The other book I'm working on is a contract book that's the history of boat building and sport fishing on the Outer Banks. Oh wow. So I've been out there a lot, and it's all great. It's all so much fun, and I consider it a privilege to tell those stories. But I just think it was time to do something that I wanted to do and felt like needed to be done in my community. So that's what's happening. Bethany Bradshaw, uh, BethanyBradshaw.com is where you can go. We'll, we'll update the uh, project on ECU uh, baseball as, as warranted. I'm sure we'll talk to Bethany again 
uh, soon. And uh, certainly uh, by the time we get close to, uh, well, probably during baseball season at some point, I think it'd be appropriate to have you on and, and talk about the oh, season since you'll be, uh, you know, following it. So that, that would be, we'll go ahead and uh, tell you you're, you're lassoed in and, and uh, booked for one of those uh, gigs later on in the uh, spring. That so, perfect. Hey, uh, Bethany, yeah, always be great perfect. to see you. Nice to see your family last night and, and really uh, great to talk to you as it always is, but see you earlier in the week and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much, Patrick. It was great to talk and look forward to, to chatting when it warms up a little bit and, and those bats start swinging at Clark LeClaire. Thank you, Bethany. All right, there she goes, Bethany Bradshaw. Uh, Shadow of Tennis Legends, the Lenny Simpson story, available wherever you uh, buy your books now. I think uh, Amazon has it up right now. Thanks to Bethany for being with us. Uh, thanks to Ben Byram. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, sports gambling in North Carolina. We'll be following that for you. Looks like that's going to become a reality. And and uh, we'll uh, have some more from ECU Baseball Media Day. All right, so we'll catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow morning on Talk of the Town on the radio side and uh, back here on the PJ Show at 5 o'clock. Have a great evening, everybody.